Hello, everyone, and welcome to Full Time, where we take you around the world of soccer locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Full Time is presented by the Game Sports Show and powered by the Game Entertainment and Media. You are listening to Season 3, Episode 6 of Full Time. I am your host, Daniel Scarpino, and with me is our co-host, Gaetano Gallo. Before we begin today's show, Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. With their two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, you can download and access the Pizza Portal app so you can enjoy a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. We remind our listeners that recordings of Full Time occur weekly or bi-weekly. Uploads to all of our platforms for public viewing and listening occur weekly or bi-weekly as well. Folks, we are delighted to welcome you here with us on Full Time. We look forward, as always, to talking with you about the beautiful game. Gee, spring is looming, even though it's uh, starting to snow, I think, a little bit outside. But football certainly is in full swing. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Scarps. How are you? I've got no complaints on my NG. All is definitely well. In today's show, we will be talking about the Champions League, the Europa League, the FA Cup, Europe's Big Five. MLS and local soccer. As always, if anyone would like to listen to our previous content, please check us out at full time on the Game Sports Show. And without further ado, Gaetano, and to everyone who has taken the time to tune in here today, let's kick off. We begin today's show by examining how the Champions League round of 16 ties finished up. Before we do that, Gaetano, how impressed were you personally with the quality in the round of 16, and did it live up to your expectations? Yeah, I thought the round of 16 was great when the draw was first made. Uh, we knew there were some exciting matchups, and I would say most of them lived up to the hype. It was pretty good. Yeah, and the, the word that really springs to mind for me is intriguing, and uh, a lot of the things that we thought would happen, in fact, did. And then there was uh, some surprises along the way, which we'll definitely talk about here and now. Gee, the first game that we're going to look at is Benfica and Club Bruges. Benfica entered the second leg up two goals to nil. And in a game where perhaps a slower and a more methodical approach from Benfica was expected, it was anything but that for the Portuguese side. From the off, Benfica remained on the front foot and absolutely hammered Club Bruges by a score of 5-1, to one, which sees them through to the quarterfinals, winning 7-1 to one on aggregate. Gee, this was total domination by Benfica. Your thoughts? Yeah, uh, almost felt unnecessary going into the uh, second leg up 2-0 already. Really just need to put it in cruise control uh, to see themselves through, but they uh, they really went for it and absolutely throttled Bruges. And I think that certainly makes a statement, and obviously it's a team to be reckoned with as uh, now they enter the quarterfinal. Next, it was Chelsea who entered their second leg against Dortmund down 1-0. Through a bit of charisma, character, and maybe some level of fortune, it's Chelsea who make their way through to the quarterfinals after beating Dortmund by a score of 2-0 to nil, and ultimately 2-1 to one on aggregate. Gee, we've criticized Chelsea throughout this season and probably for good reason. This time, however, they get the job done. Your analysis on this one. Yeah, going into this tie, I was really worried about Dortmund's defense. Uh, and this has kind of proved that they kind of caved under the pressure. But I think over two legs, Chelsea is definitely the better team and deserve to go through. I agree with that for sure. And it almost kind of reminds me of uh, the season that Thomas Tuchel came into uh, Chelsea when he arrived and, and um, replaced Frank Lampard and how things started to pick up. Maybe now Graham Potter's really going to put the, the focus into the Champions League, but time will tell. But Chelsea definitely looked the better side over two legs. Bayern and PSG met up in what was probably the marquee matchup of the round of 16. After Bayern entered the second leg of this tie up one goal to nil, they stifled PSG 
with a brilliant display, defeating them 2 to nil in the second leg. Byron goes through to the next round, beating PSG by a score of 3 to nil on aggregate. Gatano, Byron show their class, and PSG show why they just cannot be trusted in this competition. What are you saying about this one? Yeah, really impressed from Bayern uh, keeping PSG quiet over two legs. Uh, you know, not many teams in the world can say they, uh, they've done that, uh, considering, you know, Messi, Mbappe, Neymar. Yeah, it was just domination by Bayern, and especially the second leg at the Allianz uh, Arena in Munich was just uh, like textbook Bayern Champions League soccer. It was beautiful to watch. Well, and, and you know what, Gaetano, for, for the times and the days that the Champions League is played during uh, midweek, uh, early on in the week and you know the games are oftentimes in the afternoon you and I and most folks uh, can't watch it because of work but I was actually able to watch the majority of this game and obviously always catch the extended highlights but the way that Byron played in that second leg was absolutely phenomenal the way that they played across the channels in possession unbelievable when they lost the ball their counter pressing was insanely good so I was super impressed with Byron in this one but like you said Totally shocked that PSG never even had any sort of attacking threat with the likes of Neymar, Mbappe, Messi, etc. Tottenham hosted Milan in the second leg of their tie. Milan, going into the game, were up 1-0 on aggregate, and evidently, in the end, that's all they needed. Milan draw with Tottenham by a score of 0-0 in the second leg, which sees Milan through to the next round as they hold their 1-0 advantage. Gaetano, Tottenham is gone, and Milan are through. Was it ever in doubt that Tottenham would let this one slip? <laughs> Uh, definitely not. Uh, and it just kind of proves how far off they really are uh, compared to like the other, you know, big teams uh, in Europe. You know, Milan, they've won a uh, Serie A, haven't had much European success recently, but that squad kind of knows how to win, knows how to manage 1-0 on aggregate going into the second leg. And Tottenham needed, you know, just the one goal to force extra time or even, you know, a couple more to go through. And they just couldn't do it. They just don't have it in them. Uh, I think as in the, in the squad, in the hierarchy, like anywhere in there, they ha- they don't have it. Uh, and it came to fruition again. And then Antonio Conte, the, the, the manager of Tottenham, he echoed those statements that you just mentioned there in a very sort of illuminating press conference where he said everything at this club basically is wrong from the mentality to the ownership to the fact that the club hasn't won a trophy in forever and that they just don't have the heart and desire and passion to to go through in these major competitions because they're fearful of that. And uh, I think that that sort of really summarized, uh, that was summarized rather in their performance against Milan because uh, over two legs, nowhere near good enough. <laughs> Porto and Inter entered the second leg of their tie in the exact same position as the Tottenham-Milan tie. It was Inter who were up 1-0 entering the second leg. And again, a nil-nil result keeps things as they were. It's Inter who goes through to the quarterfinals after winning by an aggregate score of 1-0. Gaetano, a lot of pragmatic play in this tie, especially from what I saw on the extended highlights. Uh, did the right team go through for you? I definitely think so. I think uh, over the two legs, Inter showed a little more than Porto. Uh, and I definitely think it's important, as, as with uh, AC Milan as well, keeping the clean sheet over the two legs uh, in the round of 16. So it was really impressive from Inter. And I think, yeah, over two legs deserve to go through. Now, the Italian side certainly doing well in this competition, but I also agree that Inter definitely deserved to go through. Manchester City and RB Leipzig went into the second leg of their tie level, one-to-one. The second leg, however, was anything but level as your Manchester City, Gaetano, absolutely demolished Leipzig by a score of 7-0, to nil, largely thanks to five goals from Erling Holland. Gaetano, this was an insanely impressive display by City, winning 8-1 to one on aggregate. 
your breakdown of this tie and specifically what was tactically different in the second leg for city yeah so this game this was nuts i was at work so i couldn't watch it i thought my phone was broken i kept getting like the goal notifications from footmob and it's like holland goal holland goal and i was like oh like it's it's the same one it, it does it every once in a while it's a little broken and then i like kind of opened the, t- the notification bar and i saw it was five separate goals i was like oh my god i've never other than messi i've never seen anything like that before he was just just on another level just a mega star and i think tactically that was kind of pep's master plan was we need to feed holland early uh get one going because then once the ball starts rolling he's unstoppable and uh yeah city piled on the pressure early i think the first goal came in the first 15 20 minutes and it was just smooth sailing from there yeah and then that first leg i think the the word that you said that pep used in his press conference was control and they yeah. certainly went for that, but um, like you said, evidently it was it was more on the front foot in the second leg. And yeah, Holland actually in his in his post game press conference. I mean, I'm not a Manchester City fan, but I I do enjoy the club, and I like a lot of the players. I really like Pep Guardiola. I liked what Holland said in his post game press conference. Well, I was hoping to get a, a double hat trick, but he goes, I should have actually had another two goals. So it just kind of shows where his standards and his mentality are. So he's he's not one for the future, even though he is. He's he's right here. He's right now. But he's going to be for a long time. He was absolutely sensational in that match. The Italian league leaders, Napoli, went into the second leg of their tie up 2-0 to nil on aggregate against Frankfurt. In fairness, not a lot needed to be said about this one from a Napoli perspective, as they went out and did what they have been doing all season long, and that is performing at the highest level. They beat Frankfurt 3-0 in the second leg and 5-0 on aggregate over the course of this tie. Gee, Napoli is through, and there isn't an argument against that. How good were Napoli over these two legs? They were phenomenal, uh, and especially the second leg was just comfortable for them. Just I don't want to say coasted because you know they were very good and they played very well, but they coasted through that uh, very easily. Yeah, and uh, they were never, uh, it, like I said, never in doubt, but it was always in their hands, and they, like I said, took full advantage they were sensational finally it was real madrid who saw liverpool come to the bernabeu in the second leg of their tie madrid had the most dominant of first legs beating liverpool five to two so their work in this second leg was always going to be very clear and not only did they hold liverpool goalless but they added a goal of their own it's madrid who win one to nil and six to two on aggregate gee madrid showing why they are the real deal in this competition year in year out how impressed were you by the Spanish Giants? They were incredible, like they always are in the Champions League at the Bernabeu. It's just, you know, it's incredible what they do. But also, it was a really, really weak performance from Liverpool, really having to go for it, uh, you know, needing three goals to at least tie the uh, the tie on aggregate. Uh, they just didn't generate anything. And partially that is because Real Madrid played super well, uh, especially in midfield, just kind of controlled the game. But I really thought, you know, with their European hopes on the line, they would kind of give a little more. Yeah, they probably, uh, and, and I think Klopp alluded to it, that they're going to have to give everything. It's close to impossible, but on the day, Madrid, again, fantastic, and they just show why they're so good in this competition. And based on our picks, Gaetano, you had seven out of eight picks correct, only falling short with your Dortmund selection. I, on the other hand, had six out of eight picks correct as PSG and Tottenham let me down. I feel really bad for picking Tottenham. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> it was a close battle and some good picks for us all around, so well done, sir. Hey, well done to you too. Six out of eight, not bad. A reminder to our listeners that matches for the quarterfinals in the Champions League commence on April 11th. The second leg of games will finish on April 19th. 
Gatano, let's move things over to the Europa League, where that competition also had its round of 16, and the quarterfinalists are now set based on those results. First, it was Juventus, who didn't rest on their laurels. They beat 10-men SC Freiburg 2-0 in the second leg and 3-0 on aggregate. G, Juventus are playing like they need this badly, and they probably do. Your thoughts? Yeah, they kind of uh, surprised me. I didn't think they would uh, be as comfortable as they were uh, in that tie, but they played really well. Dominance was the name of the game for Feyenoord against Shakhtar Donetsk in the second leg, as Feyenoord put Shakhtar to the sword by a score of 7-1, to one, thus winning the tie 8-2 on aggregate. Titano, so, so clinical from Feyenoord in that second leg. Your analysis. Yeah, just uh, just dominant. And especially going into the tie, uh, going to second leg, sorry, 1-1. One, one, you know, obviously expecting a close game, a hard-fought game, but yeah, 7-1 just blew them out of the water. Manchester United took care of Real Betis over two legs. They advanced to the next round of this competition after beating Betis 5-1 to one on aggregate. G, United continued to move onwards with their season and in this competition specifically. What can you say here? Yeah, I thought they uh, they actually played pretty well. I don't think uh, Real Betis kind of uh, showed their true selves in, over this uh, tie, but uh, United definitely played well and deserved to go through. Much agreed there. And if you take a look at the, the, the first three matches that we just analyzed, the likes of Juventus, Feyenoord, and United, it was all very clear in those three matches. It wasn't a case of, oh, maybe the others could have gone through. All three of those totally deserved through. And uh, that was kind of, for the most part, as we're going to talk about here, a running theme in this, apart from maybe a couple of matches. Fernabache showed some resilience in their tie against Sevilla, being one-to-one on aggregate going into the second leg. Fernabache went one-to-nil and put themselves through to the next round of this competition. Gee, it was as close as you'd like, which was a little bit different than the uh, three previous ones that we just talked about. But Fernabache do get it done. What are you saying about this one? Yeah, I was really impressed with them. I didn't have uh, high hopes for them going into the competition as a whole, uh, let alone this tie. So to beat Sevilla in the round of 16 is pretty impressive. Yeah, I would agree. And Sevilla has been around this competition uh, time and time again. So definitely um, a, a big, big victory for Fernabache, which in my opinion was totally deserved. Leverkusen duplicated their first leg scoreline and beat Ferencivaros 2-0 for a second time over. They go through 4-0 on aggregate. Gee, your thoughts on Leverkusen? I uh, just comfortable. They played really well and were never really threatened. Yeah, never really threatened. And again, pretty dominant overall, pretty controlled and totally deserved to go through. Real Sociedad found no way through and no means to score over the two legs against Roma as Mourinho's side claimed yet another clean sheet. Roma advanced 2-0 on aggregate. Gee, Roma looking sharp. And this tie was, at least in my eyes, um, I would say intriguing. But what can you say about this matchup? Yeah, intriguing, I think, is the right word. Uh, both teams playing really well domestically. Um, but I think Jose was the difference in this one, knows how to win in Europe. Uh, and in the end, saw Roma through. Yeah, maybe not the most attractive brand of football. But like you said, knows how to win, knows how to get the job done. And at this level, and especially at this round of, uh, or this stage of the competition, I should say, that's what it really comes down to. And that's what it's all about. The Battle of the Unions were not short on goals. After a 3-3 draw in the first leg, it's Union St. Louis who beat Union Berlin 3-0 in the second leg, which sees them through to the next round after a 6-3 aggregate score. Gee, a solid second leg performance from Union St. Louis. Your thoughts, my friend? Yeah, uh, a little bit shocking. I thought Union, Union Berlin would give uh, a little better showing of themselves here. 
but uh, really impressed uh, by Union St. Louis. Uh, I really kind of like their underdog story. I hope they kind of get a little farther in this competition. Yeah, I was also surprised. I thought uh, Berlin, given the season that they were having, certainly would have just continued to push onwards. And maybe that just kind of shows the, the lack of attention that I paid to, to France's Ligue 1. But, I mean, here we are, and uh, hopefully this underdog story continues. The reason why I say that is because now we're talking about Arsenal. Arsenal hosted Sporting in the only game of the round of 16 that needed penalties to decide it. After being level 3-3 three to three on aggregate over the two legs, it's Sporting who defeat Arsenal 5-3 to three on penalties to go through to the quarterfinals of this competition. Gee, it was a letdown for me personally because I wanted Arsenal to go through, obviously. But Sporting, in my view, they deserved it. What can you say about this result? Uh, so first, I got to talk about that goal in the second leg from what, just inside half? Just <laughs> like incredible piece of individual skill. Uh, I don't off the top of my head remember who did it, but just phenomenal to be able to do that. Especially the game was at the Emirates, right? Yeah. Yeah. So to like go to go to London, go to the Emirates and drop that is just incredible. Um, and honestly, that whole tie uh, was really, really good. Uh, captivating, great down to penalties. A little unlucky, I think, on the penalties, but, you know, I thought it was great. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, well, when this when this game was taking place, the second uh, the, the second leg, I was actually away in the States, so I couldn't watch it, but I had my Twitter notifications on and whatever, and then all of a sudden my phone started going bing, 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 bing. I was like, oh, what's happened here? And then immediately the video was uploaded into, like, the news feed when you go to the search, and it was just that goal. And then I was like, oh, boy, I think I, I know how things are turning today. And the fact that Arsenal fans and everybody else were clapping, it was almost meant to be for sporting. But like I said, over the two legs, sporting were the better side. I think Arsenal have their focus elsewhere. Some people are looking at it as a blessing in disguise, which we can get to a little bit later when we talk about the Premier League. I really want it to go through, but maybe it just wasn't meant to be, and that is kind of how it is. And based on our picks, G, you had three out of eight picks correct here with the likes of Arsenal, Berlin, Betis, Freiburg, and Sevilla letting you down. I, on the other hand, ended up with five out of eight picks correct, only falling short with Arsenal, Berlin, and Sevilla. G, would you say that the Europa League is a little bit tougher to call than the Champions League? A hundred percent. I think the teams prioritize, I think most teams prioritize the Champions League over their domestic leagues. Uh, but when it comes to the Europa League, I think certain teams will prioritize their domestic league over it so it makes it a little uh a little stickier and also like you said we don't pay as much attention as we would like to all the other uh european leagues so there's some teams that we kind of don't watch as much don't see them as often so it's yeah a little bit harder to pick that's a great summary there i couldn't have said anything better myself i in my in my opinion i believe that it is certainly more difficult a reminder to our listeners that the first leg of the europa league's quarterfinal matchups will begin on april 13th those quarterfinal matchups will wrap up on April 20th. Gaetano, let's stay with cup competitions here and let's move into the FA Cup. Quarterfinals have wrapped up and it's four teams who remain in the competition. We will take everyone through the results of the quarterfinals here and now and discuss what transpired in these matches. First, Gaetano, it was your Manchester City who hosted Burnley at the Etihad. It was a meeting between former coach and former player, that being Manchester City boss Pep Guardiola and newly appointed manager and former Manchester City captain Vincent Company. The two obviously share a unique and rather remarkable relationship. This game, however, was anything but remarkable for the return of Vincent Company as your Manchester City smash championship side Burnley by a score of 6 to nil. Gee, it was dominance in every way imaginable for City. Holland gets a hat-trick, Alvarez gets two, and Palmer adds his name into the hat as well. 
Give us your analysis, sir. Um, so when we previewed this, I said that Burnley aren't going to do their typical Burnley and, you know, drop six at the back and just play behind the ball that they were going to try and go for it. And they really did uh, to start the game the first 15, 20 minutes. It was pretty back and forth. Uh, actually, Ruben Diaz and Rico Lewis had to make some uh, last man tackles to prevent some scoring chances early. So they really did go for it. Uh, unfortunately, like with the Leipzig game, once Holland got his first and I think the 25th or 30th minute, it was just kind of downhill from there. He just like he just scores everything um and the rest of the team kind of chipped in a couple of alvarez goals the kdb passed for the second one was just fuck perfect yeah. uh and yeah just comfortable and it was it sucked as a city fan because like we love any company uh so it sucked seeing him on the end of that but at the end of the day that's uh that's business and uh it was good to see him back and it was good to get the result yeah, and it was interesting because uh, me watching that match too, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, it's after half an hour, you know, one nil, and they got the second, okay. But then if you if you take a look at it and you listen to uh, any company's um, uh, uh, post-game press conference, he goes, I wanted to know what Pep said to the guys at halftime because the second half was just totally different class, wasn't it? Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's Pep's management on one hand and like the city squad and their mentality on the other end, like perfectly together. Yeah, it was. Uh, it got a little ugly in the second half, for sure. In all likelihood, those two teams will see each other because I'd imagine Burnley are coming up to the Premiership next year. Yeah. A meeting between two championship sides took place in another quarterfinal, this time Sheffield United against Blackburn. It was left almost as late as it could be for Sheffield United, but they do get it done in the end as Tommy Doyle scores a stoppage time winner to see Sheffield United through to the semifinals of this competition after beating Blackburn by a score of 3-2. to two. Gaetano, an entertaining one. Give us your analysis here. Yeah, super entertaining game. I love the championship because the games are a lot more, I think, even than uh, in the Premier League sometimes. There's a lot more yep. parity throughout the league. So anytime you get two championship teams kind of prime time on, in the FA Cup, it was a great, great watch. And uh, it was a city loney, uh, Tommy Doyle, with that screamer in the 90th minute there. Beautiful finish. Uh, super, super exciting game. Definitely was entertainment delight. Brighton and Grimsby met in a quarterfinal clash, and it was Premier League's Brighton who made short work of League Two side Grimsby Town, winning by a score of 5-0. to nil. Gee, it was a cup run that had Grimsby Town fans elated, but their run ends at the hands of Brighton. Your thoughts on this match? Yeah, it sucks seeing the Cinderella story uh, finally come to an end, but uh, I don't think it was ever going to go the other way. Brighton were always going to kind of win this one, and uh, we're comfortable in doing it. Yeah, it was always going to be that for me as well, but definitely a great cup run there for Grimsby Town. Finally, it was Manchester United who hosted Fulham in one of the or in the last uh, quarterfinal matchup. Rather, Fulham got their noses out in front five minutes into the second half, but it wasn't to be for them as United claw their way back into things to end up beating nine men Fulham. But Willian and Mitrovic sent off before United equalized. This one ends in favor of United by a score of three to one. G, a lot of controversy in this one. What can you make of all of it? Yeah, so I, I don't think there's as much controversy as uh, the media would like to spin it. Obviously, you know, three red cards in that couple minutes makes for an easy story. But like mm -hmm. the William red card was just an obvious one. Like there's no <laughs> no getting Can't around that. <laughs> um, and I really don't know what... Uh, the manager lost his head for it again. Like it's just so obvious. Those two red cards from me are just like those they're, they're blatant. Like, like, what do you, 
you know, you can't swat the ball off the line if you're William. And I don't know why your manager is losing his head over that red card. The only one for me is the Mitrovic one. Uh, so I'm actually interested to get your perspective because obviously you can't touch refs. That's like, a, that's obviously no, no. Um, but like we've seen a few times in the Premier League this year, um, like not, not that he shoved the ref, but like he definitely touched him. But we've seen a few players kind of get away without getting the red cards. So I was interested to see your perspective of why you thought Mitro got the red card for this one. I honestly think for, for me, Gaetano, and I watched that a thousand times and I've had a few conversations, particularly with guys that I played with. I think it was almost like Mitrovic was trying to impose a bit of dominance over the referee, and I felt like the referee wasn't having it. I almost want to say it was a little bit of an ego thing. What I have sent the player off for doing that, I really don't know. I couldn't give you an answer. I thought when he kept trying to back the referee down, Mitrovic, I thought that was a little bit excessive because he was clearly trying to prove a point. Not to say that that doesn't have – there's no room for that in the game of football – but it was a bit of a weird one when people were calling for like 10 game bans. There were some people calling for lifetime bans. I don't know if that was just people <laughs> taking the, the, the mick or whatever, but uh, I, I thought that was a bit ridiculous and a bit excessive. So um, did he deserve the red card? Yeah, maybe, but I don't think maybe it was as bad as people made it out to be. But uh, I mean, just the controversy alone in that match, the fact that they had the three red cards, two of them being players, um, I found that the, it was just very interesting for, for Fulham. And obviously United had a little bit of fortune on their side, I feel. A reminder to our listeners that semi-final action of the FA Cup will take place on April 22nd. It will be your Manchester City, Gaetano, who will host Sheffield. In the other semi-final, it will be Brighton and Manchester United. Both games will kick off at 10 a.m. Eastern time. These games will be highlighted here on Full Time in a future show. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious, hot, and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Gaetano, with everything that we've just discussed, it really is the bulk of our show here and now as we are going to go through Europe's Big Five. Collectively, what we have been seeing this season across England, Italy, Spain, Germany, and France has been rather remarkable. How much have you been enjoying following all of these leagues this season, G? Uh, I think this season's been great. There's, uh, you know, some of the obvious teams winning, but uh, a lot of interesting storylines to follow, some favorites not performing well, some underdogs performing super well. So I think uh, overall so far, it's been a great season. And let's get a jump on this, G, and we'll start in England with the Premier League. And before we go into the specifics of the table, I just want to highlight how the table is divided in such a way that for me, I'm not sure that I ever remember seeing in my lifetime. So right now you've got spots one through 11, where all 11 of those teams are legitimately fighting for positions uh, in European places. You've got Arsenal and Man City who are battling positions one and two. Then you've got Manchester United, Tottenham, Newcastle, Liverpool, Brighton, and Brentford, who are all challenging for Champions League positions, so, so that final third and fourth position. Then you've got the likes of Fulham, Chelsea, and Aston Villa, who are all battling for the fifth, sixth, and seventh positions in the Europa League and Conference League spots. Then, looking at the other side of things, this is where the split and the divide happens, right? You've got positions 12 all the way down to 20, who are quite literally one win from being out of the relegation zone or one loss from being in the relegation zone. All of those teams are within four points of each other. Gatano, 
I haven't seen anything like it before. At least I, I can't remember the standings ever looking this divided and close at the top and then close at the bottom. What can you make of this table right here, right now, just from an overall perspective? Yeah, like it's nuts. Like you said, I can't think of any time I've seen the league look like this, especially like being in 12th place. Like normally that's like, we would say like comfortably mid-table, uh, but they're like three points out of a relegation spot right now. Like that's insane. Um, and I think that kind of goes, speaks to the parity of the league. Um, not entirely with the obvious split, but you know, the, you have 10, 11 teams legitimately competing for Europe and also you know, almost 10 teams competing for relegation. Uh, I would say the Premier League's in a, in a great spot right now uh, in terms of the actual football being played and the entertainment value. Without doubt. And uh, I mean, the Premier League always seems to intrigue. It doesn't matter. I mean, the, the team at the top could be 10 points clear and you could have, you know, the three bottom teams being so clear that they are going to get relegated and you still be almost just intrigued. But when something like this happens, not that it's once in a lifetime because it can totally happen again and we may see that, but you certainly pay close attention because you just don't know what's going to happen next. Now, specifically at the top, it is officially, at least I say officially now, because I kind of had some hope for Manchester United that they were going to kind of creep in there, but it's officially a two-horse race. It's Arsenal and Manchester City. Right now, Arsenal have 69 points and City have 61 points, but City have a game in hand. Both teams from a Premier League perspective are on good form. How close is this title race, G? I think this will be decided uh, in the City-Arsenal game uh, next month, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, I think that, that game is going to decide the title. Um, I think they'll both win uh, any of their games leading up to that. And also after that, I really do think that the Premier League title is going to come down to that one game. So let me pick your brain on that one, because I think that's an interesting take. I've seen a lot of things, people saying, OK, in City's last 11 games, this is how many points they're going to get. In Arsenal's last 10 games, here's how many points they're going to get. So let's say, for example, in that, um, let's say it's a draw. Does that mean that it's going to be Arsenal's to win because they'll still be ahead on points, do you think? Or does that mean that it's anybody? I think I think it would, that's a tough, because it would still, I think, be anybody's. But the advantage would be Arsenal's uh, because they're still ahead. But yeah, I it's just I, I haven't had a title race like this since the Liverpool one in nine, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, um, and was like, it the ninety eight, ninety seven, or whatever? Yeah, was, that one. Yeah, just it's awful as as a, like as a fan because wanting to win like it it's it's great it's great but like it's an awful like last 10 games every every second of every game counts um it's just so stressful it's great to watch and i'm sure we'll look back at the end of the season and be like well this is amazing you know whichever way it goes whether it's arsenal or city but like it, it sucks a little right now it's uh it's tense i don't like it <laughs> no i'm with you on that man because it's like any little slip up you know that panic sets in right and, and yeah. you you watch uh you know like, for example, Arsenal Fan TV, it's like, oh, well, maybe it's done now. Maybe it's done. And then all of a sudden you go on this, like, little run. Oh, okay, that was just a blip. No big deal. So, like you said, every second counts. But these last 10, 11 games going to be incredibly nerve-wracking, especially for me. I know you've seen City over the past several years dominate. For me, it's been a while since Arsenal have been legitimately challenging. Last time that uh, Arsenal won a, a Premier League title, of course, I remember it. But as a young kid, do you really enjoy it maybe as, as you would now in your 20s? Probably not. So I'm hoping that Arsenal can get it done. But time will tell. There still is a little ways to go. But the, the race certainly, I think, will go close to the end.
And as previously mentioned, the teams fighting for European places stretches from Manchester United in third all the way down to Aston Villa in 11th, which is madness to me. But what's even more mad is the relegation battle. At this exact moment, Southampton, Bournemouth and West Ham make up the bottom three. But it's everyone above them who are in the exact same amount of danger as them. Who could you even say right now is in the most troubled year? Is it even possible to make anything of this relegation battle? Because everyone is treading some deep, deep water right now. I think Southampton are in in the worst shape. Uh, I think from the beginning of the season, their squad, I don't think, was capable of surviving uh, another season in the Premier League. And they haven't really done much uh, in January to back themselves. So I think they're kind of in the worst spot. I'm really, even though they're in 12th right now, not a fan of Crystal Palace right now. Mm-hmm. Um, having sacked Patrick Vieira for, I don't know why, like that made zero sense to me. Uh, he's been overachieving his entire tenure there. Uh, he's got them out of a lot of uh, sticky situations. So to sack him and bring in Roy Hodgson again, um, I just, I don't see the positive for that. And I think that's going to be a massive uh, mistake for them. Yeah, that could have been a whole talking point in the show alone about Patrick Vieira. I was shocked by it. I know that they were having a difficult time, and I think it was 12 straight games generating any sort of uh, attacking threat. I think that their goals were, well, they were very low. But that being said, they're in an okay position. Like 12th in the Premier League really isn't that bad. It's pretty much mid-table. Yes, they're, they're in that sort of relegation battle right now, but who better to get that team out? I mean, since he came in, I thought he was an excellent manager, and I listened to the owner's... Uh, the, the media actually caught him as he was on his way into the training ground. And it was one of those where I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm listening and I'm analyzing what he's saying. I'm like, you don't even believe anything you're saying. Like what's coming out of your mouth is, you know what? And uh, yeah, I never believed it. So that one really shocked me. And if Crystal Palace go down, I like the club. I think that they're good for the Premier League, but if they went down, I wouldn't be sad because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Patrick Vieira, former Arsenal legend and, and all and all sorts. So that one really shocked me. But yeah, Southampton in a really bad way. Uh, Crystal Palace maybe not so good now either. Uh, and then we'll have to see. I think West Ham have a couple games in hand, so they'll probably pull themselves out. I don't think Bournemouth are really going to find their way out of there either. But again, with uh, one game, everything can swing here. So Time will tell with the relegation battle, just like it will the top of the table. In Italy, City A remains Napoli at the top, as they have been all season, who are flying with 71 points, on pace to beat the all-time City A record for total points accumulated in a single season. Lazio is in second with 52 points. Right behind them is Inter in third with 50 points. Milan is in fourth with 48 points. Roma, Atalanta, and Juventus are on the outside looking in. G, Napoli will have this wrapped up sooner rather than later. Your thoughts on Serie A at this moment in time? Yeah, you know, if you had said at the beginning of the season, uh, you know, an Italian team was going to run away with the league, we obviously would have assumed Juventus uh, the way they've done so many times before. So it's uh, refreshing to see Napoli doing it. And again, we've talked about it how many times now. The style in which they're doing it is just, it's just gorgeous football, playing so well. Um yeah, I think they, I don't know the math on it, but it should be in the next couple games being almost 20 points up right now. Uh, and yeah, they should have it wrapped up shortly and well-deserved. Totally. In Spain's La Liga, Barcelona is starting to take more of a, a stronger hold on things, having now widened the gap between them and Real Madrid to 12 points at the top of the table. 68 and 56 points respectively for the two Spanish giants, Atletico 
uh, and Real Sociedad round out the top four. G Barcelona recently beat Real Madrid by a score of two to one just before the international break. Was that a statement from the league leaders uh, that this title is is meant for them, really? Uh, I really think so. I thought the game would be a lot closer than it was. Barcelona were super comfortable in that game. Uh, I've been really disappointed in Madrid's uh, domestic form this season. They've not been at the standard I thought they'd be. Obviously, Europe's another story. But uh, yeah, looks like Barcelona are on their way to another title. Yeah, and you know what, G? I, d- I didn't really have much to add for, for the Serie A conversation because it's just Napoli flying and you know, that's pretty much been the story of the season. But I am a little also concerned or, or a little bit let down, I guess you could say, about uh, Madrid's form uh, domestically. Do you think kind of their their priority right now is, is the Champions League? Or, or what do you actually think is happening there? I th- they'll never admit it. But I think at this point in the, in the season, absolutely, uh, the priority is the Champions League. I don't think they're going to catch the 12 points on Barcelona. I, I can't see them losing four games uh, over their, their last, uh, <clears throat> sorry, their last 10 uh, 10 or 12. So yeah, I definitely think uh, Madrid's going to be focused solely on the Champions League. And that is a scary, scary idea. Yes, I agree. And and I wonder now what that's going to do for Barcelona, assuming that they continue on with holding this lead and winning La Liga, what that's going to do for them in the future. Maybe it's time for them to, to take off once again. In Germany's Bundesliga, it's Dortmund who still hold that narrow, narrow lead at the top of the table. They have 53 points to their name, while Bayern have 52 points. Union Berlin is in third with 48 points. SC Freiburg with 46 points. They are in fourth. Fifth place RB Leipzig chases the remainder of the pack with 45 points. Gee, last time we spoke about the Bundesliga, we were pretty much saying that half the table had a legit shot at at the title. If things continued the way that they were going, that could have very well been the case for, uh, for some time. Maybe more of a leveling off of sorts now as it's not as many teams uh, fighting for top honors, but still legitimately five teams in the running. What can you make of this league at the moment? Yeah, this is uh, probably the most level the Bundesliga has been in a long time. Typically at this point of the year, Bayern's got the title wrapped up and they're coasting through the Champions League. Um, so it's really intriguing and especially the teams that are involved too. You know, if you had mentioned five teams, you know, in Germany, we would probably said Dortmund, Bayern. Leipzig, maybe Leverkusen or Wolfsburg. So to see Berlin, Freiburg uh, involved there is uh, it's an, it's a nice uh, surprise. Totally, and and I think too, um, you know, that that managerial change now. What do you think that that's going to do for Bayern? Because Tuchel's back at it, and uh, that shocked everybody. But we say it on full time all the time. In the world of football, you can expect the unexpected. So Tuchel now returning to uh, to the Bayern or going to Bayern rather. What do you like? What is that? That is insane. I mean, it shows where the standard at Bayern is at. That second in the league, uh, behind by only a point, uh, and quarterfinals of the Champions League is not good enough, which is ridiculous. Uh, you know, that would basically be like Man City sacking Pep right now. Yeah. Um, so it's just wild that that's uh, kind of the standard they're at. Uh, I think... Tuchel is going to be. I think he'll, I think he'll be fine in Bayern. I think they'll probably end up winning the league still. Um, but I think long term, I think that's a a great uh, signing for them. But I also think Nagelsmann was doing just fine. And you know, we talked about how dominant they were against PSG uh, in the round of sixteen. Like I, they looked fine. Um, I didn't hear anything out of their like camps that they were maybe you know upset or things had like fractured. It was just a very sudden change. And I think. I don't want to say Bayern panicked, but I think they might have panicked a little bit. 
I think so a little bit because, I mean, to only be one point off of things, you've gotten yourself into Champions League quarterfinal, dominated against a team that most people thought were going to do really well in the Champions League, maybe even possibly win it. I don't know. It was it was a weird one for me. I don't think Nagelsmann is going to have any any difficulty finding a managerial position because I thought he was doing a great job there. But like you said, it's the standard to which Bayern hold themselves. Would that happen in the Premier League? No. Like if you're one point off in the title race, you're never going to sack your manager, even if you're not doing well in your other cup competitions. Uh, is that going to happen in the Liga? Probably not. Is that going to happen in, in Ligue 1 with France, or in France's Ligue 1, rather, with maybe PSG? Maybe. Definitely maybe. not going to happen in Italy. Yeah, maybe that. But, you know, <laughs> definitely not going to happen in Italy. So, like you said, I think it's the standard. I really do think that's a good way to describe it. But it certainly caught me off guard. Now maybe Bayern are going to really take off in, in the Bundesliga. And obviously time will tell us to, to how they do in the Champions League. Finally, in France's league, er, PSG are getting closer and closer, but they're not there just yet. They currently have 66 points and hold a seven-point lead over second-place Marseille, who have 59 points. Lens holds down the third position with 57 points. It's Monaco in fourth with 54 points. GPSG is nearing their destiny, at least most would think. Ten games to go. Are they set to take hold of this thing soon enough? Yeah, I mean, you would expect that in the next couple of games, they'll really turn it on, get the results that they need, and kind of seal the title. But uh, this Marseille Marseille side is very good, and I wouldn't be surprised if they push them uh, a lot closer to the end than they would think. Yeah, and again, you talked about uh, the Bundesliga at this point is typically wrapped up for, for Bayern. Typically at this point, or more often than not, PSG have it definitely wrapped up by this point in league or so yeah maybe that push is going to extend a little bit longer and uh for entertainment purposes i hope it is we want to remind our listeners that domestic football is on a momentary pause as players are currently playing for their countries at international level with qualification for upcoming international tournaments underway gee let's shift gears to the mls so far each team have gotten their feet wet with three to four matches played what are you making of the league in these early stages sir I think these uh, first few games have been really, really good. Uh, some crazy kind of results uh, all around the league. We've got an undefeated expansion side, which is wild. Uh, and then also some normal kind of expected top-of-the-table teams running uh, running the show. So it's been pretty good. Yeah, I agree. And and one of the things I always like about the MLS, yes, it's close to home. Yes, we have Toronto in it, which is our favorite side and, and these sorts of things. But I just like the simplicity of, you know, Saturday night, you're – cooking dinner whatever you get in the house and you chuck on the tv and you get to watch soccer because you know you don't get to watch soccer in the evenings from a european perspective as we're based in canada so i really like that as well and uh, it's been good to see in the early stages in the east it's atlanta at the top just to highlight our favorite side toronto fc they currently sit eighth in the east with one win two draws and one loss over in the west st louis are top and as you alluded to, Gaetano, they are the only perfect team in the entire MLS with four wins, zero draws, and zero losses. Gaetano, how good is the parity in the MLS? Because for me, every season, you just don't know truly who is going to take top honors. Your, uh, the floor is yours, sir. Yeah, uh, I liken it almost to the Premier League in that there's there's the, the traditional teams that you kind of expect to be in the top. So that would be, at this point, you know, Atlanta, you expect New York City, you expect L.A., you know, they always expect them in the mix. Uh, Seattle's another one as much as I hate them. They're always kind of in the mix. 
but then there's always, you know, room for kind of random teams to just have a great season and be phenomenal. So it's uh, it's a really, really entertaining league to watch. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and it's a long season as well uh, for the folks who are watching. And we do have, a, a, obviously, a lot of Canadian listeners, but we have a lot of American listeners as well. And not every show on full time do we highlight the MLS, but certainly as time goes along, when appropriate, probably every second show, give or take, we'll definitely throw in the MLS because um, twists and turns do happen in the league. And uh, we'll be here to highlight all of that for you folks. And finally, it's time to give everyone a local soccer update. Here in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, it's playoff time for indoor soccer. With the regular season having just finished this week, it's now time for playoffs for youth, men's, and women's soccer here in the Sioux. A gentle reminder that this show is being recorded on Saturday, March 25th, 2023, uh, recording it here in the morning. So, Gaetano, it's almost a little bittersweet when this time of year comes around, at least in my opinion, I kind of get like this. It's almost like a weird feeling every year Uh, at this time. You play this incredibly long season from October all the way to April. And then it's sort of all cards on the table for what is to come. So what can you say personally for uh, for indoor soccer this season for you? Uh, Personally, not been the season I would have liked. Work's been a little hectic. Haven't been able to make as many games I would like. But when I've been there, uh, it's just great. Uh, It's always a competitive league. Uh, we got some newer teams in the league, which is always fun. It's, uh, you know, a little bit of fresh blood. And yeah, I think uh, it's been uh, a great season for us. Uh, we're hoping FC Barcelona keep it running through the playoffs. And uh, I'd like to get a first championship for being uh, 100% honest here. I'd really love yeah, one. <laughs> absolutely. And see, Gateno, I guess for me, it's, it's a little bit different. We, uh, in, in our division, in the first division, we played 32 games. I played 30 out of those 32 games. And it's like, you know, you put in all this time, you put in all this work. And like I said, it is a long season. It doesn't matter which way you spend it. Even if you don't play very many games, like we have some part-time guys. Every team has part-time players or guys that just can't make a ton. But it's an incredibly long season, no matter which way you look at it. Whereas outdoor, it's like you start and then you finish. And then, yeah. you know, that's it, right? So, yeah, like I said, it's a bit of a weird feeling, a little bit bittersweet this time of year. But that being said, playoffs uh, are around the corner. They actually start tomorrow. Uh, that'll be women's and that'll be uh, men's second division and then the youth had their qualification this past week and then the semifinals and finals will take place um, next week as well so gee just your thoughts on the upcoming playoffs and uh, what you've made of the league this uh, this year um, yeah I'm super excited for playoffs Uh, I mean always am Uh, it doesn't matter whether teams first or last always super fun but uh I'm expecting uh, both on the men's side and uh, the women's side as well. Hoping Little Caesars do well uh, in that as well. So, yeah, it uh, should be an exciting couple of weeks here. That's a nice way to put it, as you just did there, Gaetano. And for me, the one nice thing that I can definitely say this year is that there wasn't any interruptions for COVID or anything of the sort this time (laughs) around. So, you know, it's nice that we're kind of back on track and back to normal life. We didn't know when that was going to happen, but we are here and that's a wonderful thing. And admittedly, it's 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 so great to be able to just have a season and indoor that is without any interruptions. Last summer was another one without an interruption, which was great, too. Um. What I would say, too, is this season, as opposed to years past, a little bit longer with the men's side playing upwards of 30 games, women's and youth playing 20 to 25 games. But for you, G, what do you think about the length of the season? Because it does stretch quite a ways. And we just had a meeting this past week. We talked about the length of the season. There were some pretty strong opinions. But what is your opinion on that? 
I mean, personally, like I, I would play, I give myself like maybe a two week break between the out, indoor and outdoor seasons. Cause that's, I, I love playing. I'll play all the time. Like I know some guys aren't like that, but for me, I don't mind the long seasons. Uh, I would love, love to get as many games as possible in, uh, in season as we can. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I'm a big fan of the long season, if we're being honest. And just for our American listeners, because we do have lots of them on here, we play on a lot of turf up here, and sometimes that turf can be really unforgiving. Uh, you know, we we have guys that listen to the show from uh, the UP, so the likes of Mich- um, you know Sioux, Michigan, uh, Sheboygan, um, Saint Ignis. Uh, we have Petoskey listeners too. We don't have the beautiful grass fields here; we just don't. So. I mean, if anybody from the States ends up coming up here to, to Sioux, Ontario for a beer with anybody, uh, you know, that they know or whatever, please go and check out our grass fields because you'll be absolutely shocked. So we do play a lot of our games on, on turf. Thankfully, we have that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be playing at all. Yeah. Uh, but definitely can be unforgiving at times, and it does take a toll on the body. But I'm more like you guys, Hanno. I just want to play. I love to play yeah. uh, the breaks. I don't need too long of breaks, but you know, if, if you get the reward you want at the end of the season, which you're hoping for your side, I'm hoping for my side as well. Um, then it's definitely worth it in the end. As mentioned, playoffs are beginning now here in the Sioux. And if you're looking for playoff schedules for youth soccer, so 18 and under, please visit nhsc.ca. Men's soccer playoff schedules can be found at www m-i-k-e-p-u-c-c-i dot w-i-x-s-i-t-e dot com backslash s-f-c-s-i-t-e women's soccer can be found on facebook using the search bar for women's soccer in sault st marie and lastly high school soccer is officially underway here in the sioux no updates at this moment in time in regards to schedule as the weather always makes us hold our breath here in the sioux as we're seeing right now uh, outside Um, but we have, uh, and it's universal, so all the teams here uh, in the Sioux have commenced their tryouts for high school soccer, so things will get rolling here pretty soon, and here on full-time, we will update you all once the schedules are released. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sioux St. Marie. Have a delicious, hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Ladies and gentlemen, that is full time. As we conclude today's show, we want to extend our deepest gratitude to each of you for spending a little time with us talking about a sport that connects us all. Gatano, as always, nothing short of a pleasure, man. Uh, yeah, we had a couple tech issues there to start it off, but uh, glad we got through it and had a great episode. Absolutely, man. And uh, full time, no excuses. We always get the job done. We do it for the people that matter most. And that's our listeners. And we really appreciate uh, appreciate everybody. A reminder to our listeners that the next episode of full time will be recorded the week of April 3rd, 2023. So that'll be in the in the lead up to Easter or it'll be on Easter weekend for uh, the folks that are uh, going to be tuning in. In that show, we will highlight upcoming Champions League and Europa League quarterfinal matches, Europe's Big Five, and all the latest in the world of football. For weekly content, make sure to hit like, follow, and subscribe to all platforms of both the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Podbean. Be sure to check out our website at www.thegamesportshow.com. That's www.thegamesportshow.com. For Gaetano Gallo, my name is Daniel Scarpino, and thank you for tuning in to Full Time. 
We look forward to seeing you at kickoff next time back here on the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media. Best always.